everybody. Welcome once again to the football pandemic here in week three. What a surprise and what a uh, joy for you today as we have Mr. Brandon Harris joining us, our fourth host, fifth host. Join us as we talk about football, fantasy, and all that is on the gridiron here at the football pandemic. All right, guys. Well, hey, it's uh, been another one of those crazy weeks. We started off the first week. Things uh, we had some crazy upsets, some some crazy finishes. Week two uh, didn't disappoint either. We had some great stuff there. Let's just go ahead and jump right into some of the breaking news that's going on here in the NFL to start, and then we're going to get into some of those week two games. Josh, what's some of the breaking news? Uh, within the last hour, Antonio Brown, who actually has been thriving a bit in the last two weeks, was just placed on the COVID list. I don't know how, if that's just because he has COVID or has been in contact or, you know, but he's been placed on the COVID list. And Jarvis Landry was placed on IR, and it doesn't seem like it's in, uh, season-long in IR, maybe three to four weeks. Well, that Antonio Brown situation is one I'm going to have to monitor as I have him on my both my fantasy teams. Uh, the first week he did amazing, and the second week he just didn't do much. But uh, if he's out, we're going to have to figure out where he's going to be replaced or who's going to be doing that. Uh, we also had some uh, just news that has happened because of what happened in week two of the NFL. And uh, Brandon, why don't you start us off? Just what was this crazy week two like? Yeah, I'm going to title this as quarterback heartbreak week. Mm -hmm. we, I don't know what happened in week two, and they weren't even on FedEx field, but quarterbacks were just getting injured left and right, getting taken out of the game. Left Some and right. Some were precautionary. It was almost easier to I say mean, which, which starting quarterback did not get hurt and leave the field for a while. <laughs> it's that I'll tell bad. you who, Aaron Rodgers. That is who. Uh, he he was hurt last week Continuing. mentally, and then he came back <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah, he, he, we'll get into Aaron Rodgers here soon. Uh, but Tua has been ruled out with broken ribs for week two, so we're going get to get to see good old Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett. for the Miami Dolphins. Our, ne our next quarterback comes out of this little town in Illinois, uh, just outside of a cornfield called Chicago. I've heard uh, of Andy that. Andy Dalton is not going to play next week. So Justin Fields, is this his time to shine? I guess we'll get to see here soon. Well, I tell you what, all these fans who've been screaming for Fields, they're going to get to see. They're going to get to see what they really got. And, you know, last week, I say Andy Dalton looked like the better starter, but he mm -hmm. also did all of the prep. So getting a week of prep here with Fields uh, could show us uh, a glimpse of is he the man or is he not the man? So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What I saw in, in Fields last week, which is, I mean, you can play, play either, and they'll both play fine, but what I saw in Fields is he had pretty good uh, accurate deep balls, but they were not catching them at all. And that one interception right across the middle where he just threw it to the other defender was, I don't know. I don't know what the heck that was, but I feel like he needs more time also like to, to play under Andy Dalton. Uh, we'll see what his uh, prep gets him this week, and hopefully some of his receivers can actually catch the balls. Fields in. What else do we got in this quarterback heartbreak week? We have a double ankle sprain in another little town, but over in Indiana, in Indianapolis, Carson Wentz is out for this next week. Do you have any news on that, Matthew? Oh, sad. I will tell you this. There's been a lot of reports in the media that he sprained both ankles on the same play. Aaron Donald came and sprained both his ankles. That's not true. He actually sprained one ankle in the first half and was playing through it, sprained the second ankle right there toward the end. And we were at a place where we could easily drive down and either score or get a field goal. And I think with Wentz, we could have done it. But boy, what happens? Well, this is getting into Homer highlights. We're just going to pause that there. But what I will say is, I started to say this earlier when you said two is out and Jacoby Brissett is playing. Could we in week four, that's not this week, it's the next week, when the Colts meet the Dolphins, could we see Jacoby Brissett versus Jacob Eason, two backup quarterbacks that were both Colts backups? It wouldn't be pretty. That'll be an exciting matchup. <laughs> I don't know if exciting is the right word for that, but sure, sure. Uh, I Another one I want to I want to mention before we move on a quarterback that is playing next week but did have an injury scare on the field last week was Baker Mayfield. Yeah, uh, kind of a big name in the Browns world. Him and Kevin Stavansky have really turned that team around, and I think if they continue the ball they're going, I think they can make it a pretty deep playoff run. Uh, so I'm I'm glad Baker is okay and he's able to continue his season off. Didn't he say like on the sidelines his shoulder was popping in and out? That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yes, and our 
our final quarterback of the of the week we're going to discuss is the man who every time he gets injured, a superstar is born. We have <laughs> Tyrod Taylor. Listen, Josh Allen. Right. Uh, Justin Baker Herbert. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. So look at this. Yeah, every time Tyrod goes down, somebody becomes amazing. So who is this? It's somebody Miller, right? I don't even know his name. This is sad. Yeah, the, David, uh, Mills. Mills. David Mills. David Mills. David Mills may be the next so big name. Yeah, I guess. Uh, who needs to Sean when you have David Mills? Tell you what, Tyrod Taylor was uh, was doing what he needed to do in Texas too. Nobody expected him to be any good. They beat the Jaguars, which is it's the Jaguars. Okay, let's not get too excited. Uh, but then he was looking pretty good this last week until uh, he got injured and went out. The, the team looked like they were putting up a fight. Ended up they did not win. But poor Tyrod. And getting out of heartbreak week. There was heartbreak in the fans in Minnesota this week. They marched the ball down the field in the final seconds of the game, kicked the field goal, and where does it go? Wide right. Yes, it did. Just by a few inches. Now, NFC North teams know this way too well. We're, we've just historically had awful, awful kickers. The Bears with a double doink a couple seasons ago to finish them in the wild card round against the Eagles. The Vikings have had many playoff runs destroyed by field goals that they have missed. And so it's just, I think Minnesota fans know what to expect at this point out of their kickers. I got a question. Uh, who is Minnesota's kicker? Does anybody know his name off the top of their no. head? I mean, not that something, I expect I you no. to know the kicker. Something, something Joseph. Well, my question <sighs> is this, uh, regardless of what his name is, why? Do they have him on their team instead of Eddie Panera? The Colts had two kickers. Neither of them missed a single field goal. Last year, Eddie didn't miss one. And then this year in the camp, in the training camp, they were battling. Neither one missed one. But since uh, Rodrigo Blankenship didn't miss any, he got he got the job. But Panero is amazing. And he's not even on a team. Well, he's on our practice squad, I think. But uh, why hasn't somebody signed that guy? As bad a kickers as the NFC North always has, why doesn't somebody say, hey, you know what? There's a guy who hasn't missed a kick. Let's put him on our team. Well, I'll, I'll speak for some of the teams in the NFC North. Green Bay is pretty set with Mason Crosby. He's been there for over a decade. Him and Aaron Rodgers are the only two remaining players from that Super Bowl run in 2010. Mm-hmm. Eddie Pinheiro, if you remember, was a Chicago Bear before he was an Indianapolis Colt. I'm not sure if the Bears are interested in bringing him back. The Vikings, I just never know what they're doing in their front office. And the same can be said about the Lions. Well, I think the Vikings, I mean, if uh, Chicago... Now, he wasn't the double-doink guy. No, that was a, that was the guy that came in to That's replace Parkey. the double-doink guy. Yeah, Cody Parkey had the double-doink, was fired almost after that game. <laughs> And then when the next season started, Eddie Pinheiro was their kicker for that season and missed a number of important kicks for the Chicago Bears during that season. Well, I guess he he learned something, or it's just easier to kick inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Maybe that's it. Another hot take. It's the Chicago Bears kicker curse after Robbie Gould had left. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I don't like to talk about curses because people talk about the way Peyton Manning (laughs) left. We're never going to. But we already kind of disproved that. Andrew Luck was a good quarterback. He just didn't. It was bad O-line. We need our O-line. Anyway, that's another story. Hey, <laughs> let's get I on to our Homer highlights. Yeah. How do you like stem apples? Yeah. All right. This is where we talk about our team, what's going on, what we love, what we think has been great from the last week. And we're going to start with our, our newest host, Brandon Harris, uh, talking about the New England Patriots, which is his one and only team that he loves, his favorite hometown heroes. He would never pick another team ever like the 49ers, even though he goes to Eastern and Jimmy Garoppolo did too. So we're going to listen to a little bit about the past from Brandon Harris. Hi, guys. Uh, so I am a resident Patriots fan and a Tom Brady Gronk lover and I almost wanted to pull stuff from the Broncos or on Broncos Buccaneers game, but I, I'll, I won't. So we played, we played the jets uh, and you know, Bill Belichick's record versus rookie quarterbacks. is pretty, pretty stout. I think it's like 22 and like five or six or something crazy like that. And the big highlight takeaway is, you know, Zach Wilson coming out of college. He's an aggressive quarterback had four interceptions and it wasn't the only quarterback this week. You had multiple three or four interception games, Mac Jones, fifth quarterback taken this draft 
was the first quarterback to get his victory. Maybe uh, next week someone else will get their, their first victory. We looked pretty good overall. Uh, we didn't have Trent Brown, which is a, a big issue for next week's game versus the Saints. Still a little good and bad. We had four interceptions, but also we only put up 25 points. And that's kind of worrisome of like, we should have put up 50 points against this Jet team. They are stinkers. I don't think they're going to win a game this year. Uh, overall, I think we did pretty good. Max Jones got the W. Consistent short throws, which is what we're looking for. He had the highest floor coming out of this draft. I think everyone could agree that he was the most NFL-ready, but people are worried about his ceiling possibly. But overall, we're doing pretty good. We're one and one Probably should have won week one against the Dolphins, but hey, running back fumble, I guess. Bill Belichick hates it. I hate it, but overall, we're doing pretty good, I think. You know, you bring up uh, some of those teams there, uh, and I, I don't think this week, but I think next week, I want to have a little segment where we decide, are they real or not? Because we have some 2-0 and o teams that I'm still not sure, are they real or is it who they played? We have some 0-2 oh teams that might not be as bad as that looks, and then we have some 1-1 one one teams that I just don't know what to think. You mentioned the Saints, uh, and I think that leads us right to our next homer highlight. Last week, the Saints looked unstoppable. They looked like, were they just this amazing with Jameis Winston is their ceiling higher than ever or are they not as real as that because they played a team this week I mean they played uh, a team last week that we thought they would uh, lose to they 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 won but then this week they didn't but the team that uh, played last week the Green Bay Packers and didn't look so good against the Saints came out ready this week tell us about the Packers Brandon Colmark yeah, so Green Bay this week had an 18-point win over the Detroit Lions. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably <laughs> saying, Brandon, it's just the Detroit Lions. Let me remind you, out of every team in the Matt LaFleur era that the Packers have played, the Detroit Lions have always been the toughest team for us to beat. In the first year of Matt LaFleur era, the Packers won both of their games. They swept the Lions, but they held a lead in those games for a total of zero seconds. <laughs> Every both of those wins in the first season was a game-winning field goal as the clock expired. And then the next two seasons, I wasn't or the next two games, the next season, I wasn't even convinced Green Bay actually showed up to those games. And the first half of this game, I was on the fence about this Green Bay defense. It just felt like they weren't getting anything going. Did they want to rush Jared Goff or did they want to play man coverage? I don't know. I don't think Joe Barry knew. But at halftime, Matt LaFleur went up to Joe Barry and he said, hey, get your stuff together. Choose one. Are you going to rush him or are you going to play in coverage? And the second half, he did that. He rushed Jared Goff, and it turned out really well for Green Bay. They allowed zero points in the second half. Second half looked I love different to see than the first, place. didn't it? The first half and the second half looked completely different if you were watching that game. Yeah, so the first half of this Green Bay game and the second half of this Green Bay game look completely different. Our defense allowed zero points in the second half. That's a huge thing. Now, Joe Barry decided, all right, I'm going to commit to rushing Jared Goff. I want him to be under pressure, and I want him to make mistakes, and we're going to take advantage of them. And we did see that. We got our new linebacker, our new middle linebacker we acquired from Arizona over this offseason, uh, got an interception on him. Mm -hmm. Eric Stokes looked really good in the second half, not so much in the first half, uh, but he didn't get as many opportunities to shine in the first half. He had some major pass breakups in that second half that really helped seal the game for the Green Bay on the defensive side on the ball. But if we look at the offensive side of the ball, I think the MVP of this game is Aaron and not Aaron Rodgers. I'm thinking Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. Aaron Jones had four touchdowns in this game. Three of them were passing. One was a rushing touchdown. I like to think that he was more reliable in this game than Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime is pretty reliable. <laughs> the Lions played a lot of uh, two-man coverage, so they had two safeties deep just daring Aaron to throw the ball against them. And Matt LaFleur was brilliant in his play calling, saying, all right, we're just going to play the way we need to to win this game, and we're just going to run the ball with Aaron Jones all night and A.J. Dillon. And that's what they did. Now, Aaron Rodgers did have some have some significant things, but before I get to him, uh, Aaron Jones, the first time a Packers running back has caught three touchdowns since Andy Urum against the Chicago Cardinals in 1942. That's been a and few days. And let me days. remind you, the Super Bowl one 
1967, 1966, 1967, somewhere in there. So you're talking 25 years before Super Bowl one was the last time a Packers running back caught three touchdowns against the team. And this was before the Bears. We're talking the Chicago Cardinals. He also became the first player on Monday Night Football since 2000 to record four touchdowns as a running back since Marshall Falk when he played for the Buccaneers. There was one play of this game, one passing play of this game, I was super excited for. And my ties to my fantasy team had very strong implications to this pass. We just came out of the tunnel after after the half, third quarter, very early on. Aaron Rodgers finds Devontae Adams in very tight man coverage, 50 yards down the field. And I was excited for that because that play put me in lead in the lead, having Devontae Adams on my team for Monday Night Football uh, over Blake Faith this past week. But that pass also put Aaron Rodgers 10th all-time on the NFL passing yards list going over John Elway. And I think before that pass, he only needed like 15 yards, which would have been completely doable. But he said, nah, man, Devontae's got this for 50. And on he went. I'm kind of actually surprised that he just now got into the top 10 passing yards. I think I would have thought he had more than that as long as he's been playing yeah, I, as much as he throws. Yeah, I, I, when I think about this, there's two things that, that come to mind. I think Aaron would be much higher on the list if A, he had started earlier, but he got that experience behind Brett Favre. So he has technically been a Green Bay Packer for his 17th season, but he hasn't started for 17 seasons. Mm -hmm. And then he was also injured for a season with a broken collarbone, and he's been in and out for partial seasons. From 2014 to 2018, he was kind of in and out that whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, he missed all of that 2018 season with his collarbone that he broke in Minnesota. Uh, but I think a few of those things he would have, he easily would have gotten up there a lot faster, in now, my opinion. Drew Brees had the injured shoulder. He didn't necessarily sit four years behind somebody. Yeah. Do you think he'll ever get up to that upper echelon, those top three? You think he'll ever even approach that with what he's had to, you know, as his, as he ages, do you think he's going to age like Tom Brady or you think he's going to go quicker? Uh, I don't think he's going to pass Brett Favre. I think Brett Favre sits at number five on that list. I think the highest Aaron might get is seven, maybe pass uh, Eli Manning. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a 7,000-yard difference, so this season and next season. Okay. And I think that's about all we'll see out of Aaron Rodgers, but I could be wrong, and I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers go until he's 73, just slinging the ball down the field with no proper posture whatsoever and making touchdowns. Even if that is with another team, like he leaves after this season and he goes on and like throws crazy and does amazing with the Broncos or somebody stumped you, didn't I? It'll hurt, but yes, <laughs> it'll hurt, but yes. In uh, my last thing to finish out my Homer highlights, uh, Aaron Rodgers talking about what's going to happen going into week three. We have Sunday night football against the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco, which the Packers fans are super tired of because we've had to travel to San Francisco the past three seasons and they've never came to us. But here's a quote from Aaron Rodgers. Next week is obviously a fearsome pass rush, so I'll have to be as agile as I can. Maybe I'll rush for seven yards next week. <laughs> Getting a little bit of Lamar Jackson out there. So uh, yeah. if you're a betting person, bet for Aaron Rodgers to get seven yards on the ground for next week, and I think you'll make your bet. I'm going to, before we leave the Packers for highlights, I'm going to throw this in because it was on during the Packers game, but the Manning multicast or mega cast or whatever they're calling it. I, I watched that this week instead of the actual play-by-play -play call on ESPN. I watched it uh, through the Manning show. And I have to say that uh, Gronk and Pat McAfee were obviously the two best guests on there. And uh, it, it's it's a little painful when Brett Favre was on and some of the others that the, the lag because they're doing it online and that, that pause while they wait for the next person to talk and then talking over each other. And so uh, I thought both uh, Gronk was entertaining and Pat McAfee was obviously the most polished as he does like this online show anyway he's more used to that and he was even asking questions of both uh, Peyton and Eli like a true interviewer so uh, I think that was a highlight of the Packers game for me watching that stuff I actually pulled up the passing leaders career-wise and we have four active in the top 10 Aaron Rodgers currently 51,633 Eli Manning at eight as you referenced earlier is only at 57,000 
that's a, within two seasons, he's top, he's top eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Ryan is just ahead of him, active QB. Ben Roethlisberger, active QB at 60,000. I doubt he's putting up a whole lot more, though. He seems to be yeah. waning. And then, of course, the last active one, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. actually set to pass uh, Drew Brees week four against the Patriots. And Drew Brees, is, is he uh, number one? He's number one, 80,358 yeah. yards. Yeah, I was always proud that Peyton Manning and Drew Brees were one and two because they're both Indiana boys. Uh, Drew Brees was a Purdue guy, and then Peyton Manning, obviously, Indianapolis Colts. But looks like old TB12 is going to take that away also. Well, let's move it. on to the I Washington football team. And, uh, Josh, what happened with them this week? They got a win. Was it pretty? Yeah. I don't know. You tell us. Before, uh, before we get off to, um, on to my team, did you guys see that, that guy who had that 16-team parlay and he didn't pull out? He bet the Lions and they lost. Oh. Like he had every team right. And it came down to the Lions and Packers, and he bet on the Lions. And he bet like $75, and he would have won like 500000 if the Lions won. And he didn't pull out. And he, you know, continued to FanDuel actually gave, gave him like 150000 as a – a reward for cashing in on 15 out of your 16 bet. So wow. go to FanDuel, so, I mean, people. He still won a lot of money, so that's good. But, um, yeah, on to my team. Um, I watched during the second half after I got home from work, and as I'm watching, so I was, I was like three seconds behind. I was on a streaming service, and I, it was just a roller coaster. Like from the, third, from the end of the third to the end of the game, really. It was either Heineke's throwing deep and it's a perfect pass or Heineke's throwing one interception and you're like scared out of your mind because they're already in the, 20, the red zone and they're about to score again. But I'm glad we got out, I got out with the win. And I have pros and cons of the team as I watched the second half and kind of kind of watched online while it worked. But um, the pros was Taylor Heineke, of course. Just watching him play, you, like you can see like he's going through his reads and you're like, okay, that's not open. And he's looking at the next guy and he's doing it so well. That you can easily see that this guy might be our next guy throughout the season, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick is is back healthy. Um, Terry McLaurin, he um, completely destroyed um, Bradbury for like 10 receptions, 150 yards, and two touchdowns, I think. Um, J.D. McKissick got a rushing touchdown, and then that, that big one play or that big two play touch, two play drive that set for the touchdown to Ricky Seals-Jones down the field on a wheel route. Also, another pro was Ricky Seals-Jones, that touchdown, perfectly thrown touchdown, and an amazing caught ball, right, Ricky Seals-Jones. The um, NFL Next Gen stats, I don't know if they like how accurate they are, but he was, um, they predicted, or they said it was a 14% chance of being caught by Ricky Seals-Jones. That's how, like, low it was of, you know. And then, of course, Jonathan Allen, the guy we just signed to a big contract, had the sack and was getting pressures all over. The defense is a con, a big con. Going into the season, we're predicted to be a top three defense, and we're playing like a bottom 20 defense. It's just so hard to watch at this point when we have such high expectations. Like Brandon Harris said earlier, the field, uh, FedEx field, you like you expect going in there, getting someone injured. And then Hop, uh, Dustin Hopkins, our kicker, when he kicked that and he missed, I'm like, I knew it was going to happen. You can't, like, Hopkins is a kicker where if you, if he, like, were to kick it, I make this analogy, made this analogy with a couple friends, but if he were to kick it and he makes it, I'm alive. And if he misses it, I'm dead and I'm, I'm shot, whatever, killed or something. I'm dead 99% of the time. But they brought in um, Panera, which you were talking about, Matt. They brought him into the practice squad and then released him a week later, sadly. Didn't like him. And. I don't know, but he doesn't Hopkins need some sort of competition to either like raise his confidence or just make him play better. But my last con is whenever we got the ball back, we were winning before he like he threw Heineken threw on first down, threw the interception instead of chewing the clock out, which was just a really questionable call by me. It really made me mad and really worried me throughout the game. But that's all I have on the game. Well, I'll tell you this. There were a bunch of key penalties committed by New York, um, but oh, yeah. Washington did what they had to do. When when New York was holding the door open for them, saying, here's the win, they went ahead and took it. So a win, even when it's not the most pretty, is a win. Which, going to the next Homer highlight, the Colts, we can't say we have one of those yet. We're 0-2. First week, we just look, looked horrible against Seattle. Hated that. Uh, this week, we actually looked competitive against, I thought, a better team, uh, the, the Rams. Aaron uh, Donald 
in their like reeking havoc. Uh, I would say my highlights for the Colts look more like questions than highlights. We have uh, this, we were supposed to have the best O-line, uh, one of the best, if not the best O-line. It hasn't looked like that yet. Now, granted, Costanzo left, and that's a big thing, your left tackle. And then when you bring somebody else in, just because you have somebody good, Eric Fisher came back this week as a left tackle, practiced not very much. He's not going to be, they're not going to have gelled yet. I understand an O-line is a unit, uh, and hopefully that gets better. But right now, uh, unfortunately, we let Carson Wentz be just battered like a rag doll. Now, granted, Carson Wentz plays Carson Wentz-style ball. It's scary. He holds the thing too long. He runs around. He's flopping and flipping. He just looks he just looks crazy out there, and I'm always afraid every time he every time he has the ball in his hands, he's just going to get hit because it seems like he holds it so long. That's one thing that Tom Brady does well. Very fast release, gone. Very little chance to be hit. Um, uh, not so with uh, with Carson. So it looks like with the double sprained ankles, uh, Jacob Eason is going to be our starter. And what did we see from Jacob Eason? Uh, he came in when we were down by three, and all we needed to do was get down and make a field goal to go into overtime. And the very first thing he does is throw an interception. That does not inspire confidence for this coming week against the Titans, who lost their first week and then came back and beat Seattle, who beat us so bad. Uh, it's not looking like uh, they're going to be so easy to beat, and they're our main division competition, and we play them this week with Jacob Eason. I'm not excited about that. Um, so that's not good. Uh, the one thing that came out in the middle of the week, uh, or maybe it was last week, I don't remember when it came out, actually, but uh, the Colts are going to be the first in-season hard knock starting on November 17th. The question is, are they even going to be playing for anything by then? If they lose this week and then they lose the next couple weeks, we could already be like out of it. You know, it could be a very boring season. And like the one thing you want uh, hard knocks for is for your team to get national attention. Well, you don't want to get national attention when you're looking like idiots out there losing everything. And so... I'm not a big fan of Hard Knocks. One, I think it's a, it's a distraction, especially during the season. How do you not be distracted by the cameras and all that's going on? And secondly, we're just not going to be good. So uh, I, liked, I like the idea. I will probably subscribe to HBO for those couple months um, to watch that, but still not a fan. Uh, I will say this. We played L.A., hard. And the truth is we left, we, we got in the red zone. What was it? And we had seven uh, goal to go attempts for a touchdown that we didn't get. We were stopped on the one yard line four times in a row on the first drive. And then we had uh, the little shovel pass interception taken away at, at the second one. We left points on the field that should not have been left. And we still almost had them 27 to 24. It wasn't like they pulled away and did great. And they're a good team. I don't think the Colts are horrible, but the problem is if Carson Wentz is injured, and he is, I think we're a much worse team with Jacob Eason. So I fear for my Colts. I fear for my Colts. I'd like to give you some highlight that's just amazing, and I love it. But right now, this week, I just didn't feel any highlights. I have this strange superstition going on that if I watch during a play, they do bad. And if I don't, they kind of do something good. So I find myself sitting in front of the TV, and when the play gets ready to start, I kind of look away, hoping they'll do good. And my wife is like, Matthew... No place you look is going to change what the Colts actually do. You know you don't have that power. And I'm like, I guess I know that. But somewhere in my head, I feel like if I don't watch, they're going to do well. And it's a hard way to like want to watch your favorite team uh, when you actually don't watch until the replay. So I got to get over that. And hopefully the Colts end up looking better than I thought. I mean, there was a big expectation going into the season that the Colts might be 0-5 with Carson Wentz injury and his lack of time to practice with the Colts, that we could have been 0-5 anyway. Uh, but just knowing that they expected it and then seeing it happen, is it's still disheartening. So anyway, that's uh, that's enough for Homer highlights. So let's get to our fantasy results. Let's see how we did uh, in that voting that we're keeping track of this week. And Brandon's going to take us through that. Brandon, what is going on with the votes for fantasy football? Yeah, so we'll go we'll go through this really quick. Uh, the NFL prediction how that should shook out is they went four and two yet. And so just to remind everyone what the NFL favorite prediction is, is based off of your projected points when the game starts. 
And so uh, the NFL favorite is the highest projected points for that matchup between those two people. So the NFL went four and two. We had two people this week that voted that went above that four and two. We had Tristan Thomas, who's a football fandemicer, and Abigail Comark, uh, who's also the GM head coach and operations manager for Mop Lafleur. <laughs> Uh, then we had a series of people that went four and two and tied the NFL. We had Matthew Thomas, Josh Haupt, Brandon Harris, all people that are right here with us today. In addition to that, we had both Jacobs, Jacob with a K, who's Jacob McCormick, and Jacob with a C, who's Jacob Nelson. Nice. And we had one lonely person in that three and three <laughs> record prediction, uh, and that was me. That was me. I I dropped the ball this week. Last last year. I felt pretty good. I was number one, uh, but I, it's early. It's only the first, first week we've done this. There's still 14 games left to go for us. It's, it's early. Things can change, uh, but I'm going to be interested to see where the votes go this week and see how that looks. But first, before we get to our fantasy predictions, we're going to hit the Brandon Harris corner. Uh, Brandon Harris, what's in the Brandon Harris corner this week? So what this is, the intention of this is kind of like highlight some of our league specifically, uh, like, hey, who did good, who did bad, what are some uh, errors that maybe someone had done, but hey, you should do this instead of this. And the first one I'm kind of tracking, it's called best of the best. And what this is supposed to be is like, if you played the perfect lineup, how many points are out there? I want people, especially in this league and others, like there are points to be found elsewhere other than possibly your bench, trades or just in general free agency in this week uh the possible points total is 309 points if you had the the perfect nine players starting so wait a minute but hold on so you're saying if you you could have drafted christian mccaffrey and uh whoever the best quarterback so you're saying if we could have just drafted any nine players we wanted correct and this week if you had you know kyler Murray, derrick henry cup kelsey lockett Rondell Moore, Terry McLaurin, Graham Gano, and the Bills defense—you would have had 309 points. Well, I want to—I just want to throw this out there. I understand that that's like there are points that can be had out there, but that's totally unrealistic. Nobody gets all it, the players they want. But also, we have someone not basketball who didn't even hit 100 points, <laughs> and that's kind of worrisome. Of 309 total. Well, total possible is not really possible because you can't get all those players. I think you need to like switch that up a little bit and maybe be like the best possible based on like who you had on your roster because nobody's going to have the the point leaders in every category on their team. No one's going to get it, but also there are free agents and bench players that can boost you 20 to 50 points. That's a different possibility. Yes. So that's just throwing it out there. Uh, we had an, a new award that I made up, and I was texting Mr. Colmark about of the Chris Berman, they could go all the way award <laughs> for. We had three matchups heading into Monday night that realistically, either side could win, and that was the Sir Tom Hats game, the Sauce, and Rothgar. All were looking of they've got two or two or three players that could swing the game in their side or the other which leads into the fourth quarter rally of who actually came back out of those three. And it was Rothgar versus our own Mr. Matthew Thomas. It wasn't too hard though. Let's not act like this was a big deal. He had Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tanyan. He was behind by 40 points. Yeah, but he had Aaron Rodgers. He had two players. (laughs) I mean, also just throwing it out, just throwing stats out there. Take it for what you will. Uh, But like he said, he had Aaron Rodgers and Tanyan. They did, they hooked up, which was pretty big, which is devastating. And then also the sauce, Mr. Colmark, also came back and beat 24 Blast, which was neck and neck there for a little bit to see what he was going to do. And then the next award is Put Me In Coach, which leads to this matchup for the sauce and 24 Blast. Blake Faith actually had Lamar Jackson on the bench, who he's been publicly outing of. He wants to trade. Well, he started Joe Burrow, and... Mr. Burrow did not have a good day. And Lamar Jackson had 37 points on the bench. That's tough. Would have won him the game if he would have started Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of hurts. And the final award is Team of the Week. Who, who did the best out of all team? And that was Canto Sparks. He won his game 
put up 159 points. So congratulations to you. Man, there's, there's been some tough losses. There's been some good wins. Uh, and we're going to go on and let, make our predictions for this coming week. Uh, Brandon's going to take us through each matchup, and we're just going to quickly say who we think is going to win in each one. All right. So our first matchup we have this week is the Battle of the Brandons. We have the Sauce versus Cataracts and Heart Attacks. No, I'm just kidding. Clear <laughs> eyes, full hearts. Uh, the NFL favorite for this one right now is the Sauce, coming in at 132 points against Clear Eyes, 126 points. Uh, I got to stay biased, and I think the Sauce is going to win this week's matchup. Uh, when I look at this uh, this team, uh, it's it's closer than you would think. I think Goff is better than Jones easily. Uh, I think Carson and Cook Cook is questionable, uh, but I think they're they're fair. They can both be they can both be something for their teams. I think uh, Devontae is better than Robinson, uh, but we st- we have to see what Justin Fields you know who's he going to throw to. He may be all over Robinson. We don't know. Uh, Pitts and Waller are both good tight ends, but Waller has been more complete. Lockett has been better uh, in that wide receiver role than Williams. Um, Debo Samuel has gotten a good fair share, but Moore hasn't looked bad. You know, the, the Panthers, I think this is a more balanced, uh, more balanced game than, than I would like. Uh, and I think it really uh, comes down to either uh, the quarterback Again, golf is coming off of who are who are they playing? They're playing Baltimore though. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I think because that, because of them playing Baltimore, I'm probably going to have to give this one to the Sauce by a narrow margin. Yeah, I agree. Sauce just by a little bit, and like Matt was saying, I don't know about Daniel Jones, but then I'm looking at his bench and he doesn't have another quarterback, so it's you got to. I guess you have to start Daniel Jones. But yeah, I'd say the Sauce by a little bit. Well, I'll start off with disagreeing because I am biased and I think my teams look pretty well. I would say, I don't know if Jared Goff will be my quarterback because there are others on free agency that either play a better matchup like Sam Darnold with the Panthers or they just look better overall. But I think the Dalvin Cook questionable, I guess it was due for his injury, you know, for the year, you know, he always gets hurt. That might be questionable if I lose Cook. I don't know what happens after that, who'd all put in, but I'm still going to go with me. I think my team's better. I think the defense will really change the game for ours. I have the Patriots currently against the Saints. We still don't know. We had a big overreaction week one, and then week two, we had a big overcorrection possibly with the Saints of, I don't know if they're real yet. And he has the Raiders going against Miami. And Miami, it looks bad. Uh, whether it's Tua or their backup, they put up 14 points back-to-back weeks, and they don't look very good. So that, I think that Raiders defense will maybe swing him the game. But I'm thinking my team to win this week. Yeah, the Raiders defense has been the revelation for the Raiders. We we kind of knew uh, Carr and, and Fuller and like some of the weapons that he has there, but we didn't expect how good their defense is doing. But I will say this. I love how the 0-2 guy looks at the 2-0 and guy he's playing. He says, I believe my team is better because I haven't <laughs> no scored more points than him yet, but I week, believe. Week one, I had injury plague. Week two, Aaron Jones decided to have the best game of his life. So Aaron Rodgers is like, I'll just take whatever's given to me. Aaron Jones, you're wide open constantly. His name says so, it all. Clear eyes and full heart. That's, that's right. <laughs> I believe. All right. I think it's more of a cataract full heart, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, our next matchup, we have Canto Sparks versus 24 Blast. Uh, for me, this is really easy. Canto Sparks has consistently been scoring in the top two uh, points the past two weeks. He was number two week one and then number one last week for points scored. Uh, I don't see any reason that's going to slow down, and I got to go with Canto Sparks on this one. Man, there's there's a lot of good players on 24 Blast. I mean, Derrick Henry is obviously Derrick Henry, and Goodwin, uh, he's playing with Tom Brady and gets – Gets his a Kittle. Uh, you got some good players over there, but then you look at you look at Canto Sparks and Tom Brady is always putting up points. I mean, goodness, did he put up some points this last week? I think so. Uh, and then Eckler and Allen, but you get down to Cooper Cup, and that's the guy right there. That that guy just seems every week to be getting huge bombs from Matthew Stafford. I just I see him just continuing that. And uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. 
I'm, I'm still not sold on how great they are. They're barely winning or l- barely losing, and I just don't know where they're at. But CeeDee Lamb's always going to get his points. I'm also going to go with Canto Sparks. Yeah, I'm going with Canto Sparks too. But like Matt, like Matt said, Tom Brady's always consistent. He's gotten 39.64 last week or week two and 39.16 against Dallas week one. I can see that dropping just because they're playing the Rams defense, maybe like 20 or so, but – I can still see Canto Sparks pulling it out, not pulling out the how many points he scored last week and how many, you know, yeah, he was always been a top scorer, but I can see him still pulling it out by a little bit. Yeah, I will triple down on this. Uh, I think Canto Sparks will win. Uh, as we've mentioned time and time again, Tom Brady, you know, he's, he's seems like he's playing. He's really wanting to beat his 07 record of, I'm just going to ball out and throw touchdowns constantly because our running game is okay. But I love beating records. I think, uh, 24 blast should probably switch out Burrow or Jackson. Oh yeah, you're kind of you're kind of going against yourself if your pl- your quarterback plays your defense and he's playing the Steelers defense. <laughs> Depending on what uh, Tyler Watt does, TJ Watt, I don't know. Steelers defense is still pretty good. I wouldn't want to play my quarterback versus my own defense. I'd switch that out. Kinto Sparks has the Cardinals defense versus Jacksonville, which is I think going to be a, a nightmare for Jacksonville. So. Kento Sparks all the way. Yeah, let's go ahead and look at our next matchup. We have not basketball, which is our resident basketball fan, <laughs> trying to figure out what is football versus Sir Topham Hat, uh, our good friend Jacob. Uh, looking at this, the NFL favorite is actually not basketball, but I don't agree with them. I think uh, Sir Topham Hat has built a much better team. Uh, it's more balanced throughout. And I think Aaron Jones is just going to have another heyday over there in San Francisco. Uh, I'm actually going the other way, going not basketball in this one. And it's because of Aaron Jones in San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a stiffer defense than he has just faced with the Lions. I think he will uh, precipitously drop off his numbers this week. Uh, and I think Aaron Rodgers will have more throws in there. Uh, I do think Russell Wilson uh, for Sir Topham Hat uh, will get points versus Minnesota. But I also think Herbert versus Kansas City, that's always becomes a shootout. It's Kansas City's defense is not their strength. Their strength is Patrick Mahomes just just keeps putting up more points. I think that one will be a higher scoring game. Uh, I think you look at Metcalf and Gronkowski uh, and even Kamara. I think you're going to have higher scoring players uh, for not basketball. So I'm going that way. I'm going to go not basketball also. And I think it honestly comes down to the defenses on this one. Miami, oh, yeah. uh, he has he has Miami's defense against Vegas and Derek Carr and the Vegas offense has been playing really, really exceptionally recently. And then the Colts defense for Topham Hat against uh, Tennessee, and it's either going to be the first half of the Seahawks game where they they don't do good, or it's going to be the second half of the Seahawks game where they completely just dominate with Derrick Henry. So I really think this game is decided by the defense. I'm going to give it to not basketball. The funny thing is, I would say if you're thinking it's decided by the defense, that would uh, make the Dolphins look worse to me, um, in my opinion. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a tough matchup. They both look pretty solid lineups throughout the top nine that they have. I think I'm going to have to go with not basketball, specifically because of the Chargers versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense is not very not very good right now. Uh, their run defense is really questionable. I think it will come down to Jones, though, versus Kamara. Jones versus San Francisco's defense and Kamara versus the Patriots' defense. I think that could really swing depending on who's doing more successful in the air and play action. I think they come to that, but I'm going to give it to the O and two, the brands align with the not basketball. All right. Our next matchup is not just the battle of the O and tours, but the battle of two beloved people. We have the Reich stuff who's ranked ninth in the league against Mopla Fleur, who was ranked 11th in the league. Uh, looking at this matchup overall, Uh, Antonio Brown needs to be switched out now that he has COVID. Uh, And once that happens, I think the Reich stuff will probably switch to the NFL favorite. But as of right now, Mop LaFleur is the NFL favorite. Even with that, I think the key matchup here is going to be their third flex spot. We have Michael Pinion versus MVS. Uh, MVS, his route running was exceptional in the game, but Aaron Rodgers overthrew him twice and then underthrew him once. And all three of those plays, if it would have been on target, 
that would have been a touchdown. So I don't know what's going to happen with MVS this season or this week, but Michael Pittman Jr. has looked really good with Carson Wentz. So we'll find out. I'm going to go uh, the Reich stuff. Yeah, this is a tough one. I will tell you this. The Reich stuff scored the second highest points in week one, only to be beat by the guy who scored 170. So let's not act like 0-2 is like this horrible team who's in ninth place. He started off in seventh because of that. And then he had this uh, uh, possible win that like Aaron Rodgers went crazy and beat him with Robert Tanyan on uh, Monday night. So even though the team's 0-2, uh, I don't think that's necessarily means this team is horrible. Uh, yeah, I think there will be a switch out. Actually, this last week, I think if I would have switched DJ Chark out, who got two points for me and put in instead Tyler Boyd, I would have still won, uh, even with Aaron Rodgers' amazing little comeback. Um, that was just mismanagement. I actually told you guys on last week's podcast I was going to take Chark out, and I forgot. So that could have been a win also. Both of those very easily could have had me in a uh, very high position. But, you know, you play you play people in weeks, uh, and Tyreek and Havoc, Tyreek and Havoc all over me the first week, uh, and then the second week of mismanagement there. I so still much. think I still think uh, the Reich stuff is going to, to win this win this week. Yeah, just by looking at the player matchups, I especially, on LaFleur's team, she's done this the last two weeks, but I especially don't have, like having an extra tight end as your as your uh, your flex position. I'd rather have, in my opinion, on my team at least, I'd rather have a running back or a wide receiver there just because they get more more action with the ball, especially running backs. And once him, uh, the right stuff takes out Brown for probably Boyd, I can see him winning. And yeah, I'm t- I, I just take the right stuff just by, based off the player matchups he has against um, Lafleur. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I I think the 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 Reich stuff. I think um, he'd take out Brown for Boyd. I'd even take out. I'd put in Hunt for Chark because I don't think Jacksonville's going to get a lot of offense against Arizona. Uh, I think the swing for Muscle Four though for her side, if she pulls up the victory, will be Patrick Mahomes going into the Chargers. The Chargers have lately been shooting themselves in the foot, but with you know, if they are the old Chargers or the new Chargers. It could be a shootout, and I could see a high-scoring game, and Mahomes, you know, going off. That said, the right stuff has Travis Kelsey, his number one target, who often gets a lot of his touchdowns. So I'm still going the right stuff, but watch out for Mahomes because it's Mahomes. Well, uh, Josh Allen's big Stefan Diggs target is on Mop LaFleur. So we've got this little, yeah. little switchback going on, don't we? All right. Moving on to our next matchup, we have the two in Owers with Tyreek and Havoc and Roethlisberger Helper, who really should be the stars at night. <laughs> uh, looking at this matchup, I think it's clear Tyreek and Havoc has has the victory here. Uh, I don't like having multiple people from multiple different teams on your roster in the same week. Uh, Roethlisberger Helper has Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Chase Claypool and uh, Najee Harris. And so I'm not a big fan of lining up similar positions on your team like that. Do you want to run the ball or do you want to pass the ball? Just let me know. Do you want someone to catch the ball? Do you want your running back to do good? I find it hard to root for my team that way. Uh, But I think Tyreek and Havoc has put up a, a really good squad, and I think he'll take home the victory this week. I am in 100% agreement. Tyreek and Havoc is going to keep wreaking havoc, even though uh, Tyreek Hill didn't do it on Monday night. Uh, that team is built to win. Uh, every position you look down through there looks really good. Uh, so I'm all in on Tyreek. And- of course, I am biased. I'm going with my team, Tyreek and Havoc. But well, the key thing I'm looking at is I have I have Juju, and he has Claypool, and it's going to matter. He also has Najee, but he's not a receiver. But it's also going to matter who gets the ball and who gets more passes at Juju or Claypool. Of course, I don't think it's going to be close, but that could be a key factor also. And like Brandon said, Dak and Elliott. I don't. I don't see Elliott getting 15 points like it's projected that he gets. Yeah, I'm also taking Tyreek and Havoc. Uh, they look very good, top to bottom. Um, there's no real weak spot other than yeah, Tyreek Hill last week didn't have a good game, but also Baltimore was emphasizing of we're not getting beat deep with Hill. And Andy Reid doesn't know how to use Hill on crossing routes, but that's okay. For Roethlisberger, though, I don't also like having Dak and Elliott. You could argue Elliott's the two number, the number two running back for yeah. the Cowboys. Pollard looks 
night and day better. Yeah. Um, as we pointed out, Claypool and Schuster, I don't know who's, who's going to be favored this week. I mean, Big Ben doesn't look – he looks old. Uh, I know going into the training camp, you know, it's supposed to be the healthiest he's ever been. But also, he's always been overweight, and they call him Big Ben for a reason. <laughs> but I think uh, Tyreek and Havoc's going to just take this one easy. All right. We got one more. Yeah, our final matchup, we have the one and oneers uh, We have Run CMC versus Rothgard. Tristan versus – Lucas, uh, looking at this matchup, I think it's it's a bit different than it looks projected. Uh, Matthew Stafford against that Tampa Bay defense, I think is going to be a real challenge for him. Aaron Rodgers is kind of familiar with what the San Francisco defense is going to throw at him after they've played each other so often. Uh, I think I give the advantage to Aaron Rodgers over there. But looking at the rest of the team, I really like the team that Run CMC has put together. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to look really good against Houston. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to start to have something of a season after these p- first two weeks, and A.J. A. Brown is going to look fairly decent. Amari Cooper has looked really good in Dallas so far. Yeah, I, I like the team that Run CMC has put together, and I think he's going to win this week. That's also the NFL favorite. Uh, this one this one is probably one of the tougher ones for me to pick because Matthew Stafford's great. Aaron Rodgers is great. They're both going against strong defenses. Tampa Bay and San Francisco have proven to be really strong defenses. Uh, I think McCaffrey and Chubb are both great, but McCaffrey's going against a, a much easier Houston uh, than Chubb against that Chicago defense is what won them the game this last week. It was not the offense. It was the defense. And uh, I can see Chubb having a tougher time this week. Uh, and as you go on down, um, I, you know, Amari Cooper, if he's, you know, it says he's questionable now, I know, uh, he's been, he's more of a Dak Prescott guy than he was, um, was it Andy Dalton there last year? I was trying to think who was throwing the ball there last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he didn't score as well last year uh, because Andy Dalton was going more to CeeDee Lamb. But I think uh, CeeDee Lamb, great. But Amari Cooper is still getting his looks. And if he's in, uh, that can help. I think uh, this one comes down to McCaffrey and Chubb for me. Um, and I'm going to go with McCaffrey. So I'm going run CMC on this one. I will also be going with run CMC and the NFL favorite. But... What I'm looking at most at this lineup is, of course, um, Run CMC has better players all around mostly, except maybe Cooper versus Evans and Sutton versus Deontay Johnson. Actually, wait, Sutton's better than Johnson, sorry. But um, I'm looking at Doyle versus Tunyon, and just with the quarterback situation in Indianapolis, I can see Tunyon getting a lot more points, and Doyle maybe being that safety blanket underneath that gets like maybe three to four points for the game. And then also looking at uh, Antonio Gibson of the the football team, how is he going to play against that Buffalo defense who just scored like 20, 25 points last week against Miami? This one's pretty tough because I don't think neither 49ers defense or Tampa Bay's defense has found that centerpiece and have really hit their stride because Tampa Bay gave up like 40 points to the Falcons. The Falcons, who are terrible. (laughs) And, you know, the Niners are still – sorting things out. They've still got that injury plague. It seems like constantly floating around them. I'm actually going to go Rothgar. Uh, I think I like the doubling down of Rodgers to Tunyon again. I think there's going to be opportunities there. Uh, I would almost put the Seahawks defense in the Saints versus the Saints. I think Mac Jones will just look better on off. He's looked really good. And Minnesota, they're a hot mess anyways. They can't seem to win. But it's gonna be it's gonna be really close. I think this will be the closest one. I mean, McCaffrey plays against Houston. That's gonna be a, it's gonna be tough. But I think Rodgers could have a big game. And Tungin hoping has a big game. So I'm picking uh, Rothgar. Well, this brings us to our last segment today, uh, where we pick our marquee matchup, our manure matchup, and our my oh my. The marquee is the one you just can't miss. It's going to be great. The manure is the one that you just shouldn't even tune in. And the my oh my is one that might surprise you. And we're going to start with Brandon this week. Brandon uh, Colmark. There's two Brandons here, but Brandon Colmark is going to start us off. Brandon, what are your three games looking at week three? Yeah, my favorite matchup that I see this week that everyone needs to tune into is actually a noon game, and it's the Chargers at Chiefs. These two teams always play each other really tough, and now the Chargers kind of have something with their defense going now that their head coach is Brandon Staley. Uh, (laughs) Justin Herbert's always been able to keep him in games. Patrick Mahomes has always been able to keep his team in games. But 
how is he going to operate seeing this new Chargers defense? That's what I want to know. I know the offenses are going to look good, but what is this defense? And I'm really looking forward to that. My manure game is going to be a game. I think it's just going to be a complete crap fest blowout. Hence manure. I have the Cardinals at the Jaguars. Come on, folks. This isn't even going to be close. The Cardinals has looked, have looked awesome these past two weeks. They're really getting something going early. And I hope they don't get it going pretty late when the Packers beat them in the playoffs, but that's just a side piece. And the Jaguars are still trying to find their identity behind a very young team. Uh, in the my, oh my game, I have the Falcons at Giants. I know some people might look at this as maybe more of a not good game because it's two lower teams, but I kind of like these lower team games because they're very competitive and very close all the time. It makes it really easy to root for either team. I have for my uh, manure game, I actually went opposite of, of Brandon. I have Atlanta at New York, uh, New York Giants. Matt Ryan always plays well. You know, like, you know, he plays average. He doesn't play bad, really. You know, it's rare he plays bad, so that could be a good thing for Atlanta. But are we going to see the New York Giants from week one against Denver, or are we going to see them where they barely stayed in the game against Washington? And that's why I'm putting up a manure because – there, it's either going to be like whoever wins is going to be who plays, but like if New York plays bad or good, that's the winner, you know? So that's kind of what decides against why it's a maneuver. My marquee is Green Bay at San Francisco, a team that just completely destroyed uh, Detroit versus a team that has a pretty good offense, can move the ball downfield, and a really, really good defense, a good deep, really good defensive front. And then also, are we going to see the Green Bay from week one, or are we going to see the I mean, are we going to see the Aaron Rodgers from week one? Or are we going to see the Aaron Rodgers from week two against Detroit? That's why it's marquee. It's going to be, you're going to have to watch it. You got to figure out if Rodgers is, is, you know, back basically. And my, my, oh my is Philadelphia and against Dallas is Dallas a good team. Can they keep, keep up with Jalen Hurts and how he's been playing recently? He's been playing really well. And can Philadelphia bomb like beat, I guess Dallas's terrible defense. And that's why it's, you know, it's just based off those two factors. I'm going to go ahead and uh, let Brandon Harris go next, and then uh, okay. I'm going to finish this off. I will start with my, uh, I think we call it the, the manure game here. It's going to be the Broncos versus the Jets. Jets go to the Broncos. Denver's favored by 10 and a half, and the Jets haven't looked good. Uh, to be fair to Zach Wilson, he's got O-line injuries. He's got wide receiver injuries. You don't want to say seeing Ghost just yet because he did just face Bill Belichick and he's like, you know, notably the greatest defensive coach of all, my, all time. So I'll cut on some slack, but I don't expect anything out of the Jets' offense in general. My marquee game is actually going to be the Rams versus Buccaneers. Um, two teams that are 2-0. and It could go either way. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, he's looking to break his own record of nine straight 30-plus points on offense. He did, he's done that twice with the Patriots. Expect high scoring, maybe not high scoring, who knows, depending on the defenses as they show up. Uh, I think watch out for that one. That's, you can't miss it. And then my oh my, I'm going to go with the Eagles-Cowboys. We got a super early uh, divisional game. Both teams looking to prove, you know, are they for real? Uh, you got the Eagles coming in. I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do. Dak Prescott, you know, always throws 60 times in the game, even after a shoulder injury. But I think it's, I'd watch out for that one. You could be surprised with an Eagles upset. And I think, uh, looking at mine, they've all been said, but I'm going to say them anyway. Uh, with Josh, I agree, Falcons and Giants is my manure game. Um, and I know that that was a my oh my for Brandon Comark, but for me, uh, those are both teams that I just care so little about. Um, neither one of them have like this uh, storyline that uh, excites me in any way to watch. And so uh, I've, I'm going to put that one in that don't even waste your time. Uh, my marquee matchup, just like Brandon just said, Bucks Rams. Um, I think it's going to be a really good game against two really good teams. And it's going to be uh, whichever one can uh, figure out. I think uh, the Rams defense is probably better right now. That's going to make it hard for Tom. And Matthew Stafford has been looking really good, but I don't think it's a give me in any sense of the word. And I think uh, it's going to be good to see which of those 2-0 teams 
lose one there. Uh, and then the my oh my was, I think, said by a couple people, it's the Eagles Cowboys. Uh, and that's because the Eagles looked so dominant in week one, but they were playing Atlanta. They didn't look as dominant in week two. Who are they really? Cowboys barely lost in week one against a really good Tampa Bay team. Uh, and then they barely won in week two. Who are they? Uh, and so this is a good, you know, this division last year was like the, the poop division. Um, and uh, I want to see uh, wh- where these two teams stand in this division. The Giants right now don't look good. Right now, uh, I'm trying to look at Washington, Dallas, and Philadelphia and say, okay, who's going to be the cream of the crop here? Because right now, we just don't know. So uh, that's going to be my my oh my game for this week. And that wraps up the three that I have. I will throw out that. This is the first time we've ever seen a 17-game season. And notoriously, if you start 0-2 in a 16-game season, you have a very small chance of making the playoff. Now we're adding an extra game. You do not want to start 0-3. I think the percentages we were messaging in our group of, like, if you start 0-3, there's, like, there's been one team, I think, the Texans in, like, 2018 or something that actually came back to make the playoffs. So, like, if you are an 0-2 team right now, if you have playoff aspirations, this is a must-win week for you. Uh, if you're a 2-0 team, you know, congratulations. You're probably going to the playoffs. I'll just throw that out there because I know we've got a resident Colts fan here who has a lot of injuries, and you're playing a divisional team, and you're 0-2. This is a must-win for the Colts if you want to go to the playoffs. Yeah, it's uh, we have a bunch of Colts fans throwing back, hey, remember when we went 1-5 and and made the playoffs? Well, that was with Andrew Luck. That was a different quarterback. We also have people saying, oh, look at our division. Uh, The Texans aren't good. The Jags are horrible. And the Titans have only won one. So it's still doable. It is. But yeah, it's concerning. It is definitely concerning. Hey, uh, we're glad everybody came to join us this week. There's a lot of good football to be looking at in week three. And we hope that you have as good a time watching it as we do. We'll see you all next week on the Football Pandemic.